Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. We're recording this on Monday, the 1st of April, and it was announced over the weekend that the Rolling Stones were going to cancel, or at least postpone, their North American tour because Mick Jagger requires surgery. And at this point in time, we don't know exactly what kind of surgery. I remember 20 years ago, this would have been headline news, but this kind of came and went over the weekend. And, you know, it got me thinking... You know, I know it's only rock and roll, but are the Rolling Stones too old to rock and roll? I mean, is Mick Jagger okay? Well, Mick is 75 years old, and before the show, we were speculating what would require three months recovery, a hip joint replacement, a knee joint replacement. You know, he he's pretty active, and you see him on stage. And to be fair, this was detected while uh, the insurance company was giving him a physical, so it would be something that might even be you know voluntary it's like well look we'd like you to do this because if something happens while you're on the road we want to not be able to cover it yeah a, a daily mail article called it a routine scan and as you say it was a physical i refuse to link to the daily mail for anything but if you do want to search it you'll see photos of mick on the beach with his kids and grandkids and he's not wearing a cast he's not using crutches or a cane or anything don't scroll down too far because there's a photo of Keith Richards without a shirt on, and it's just, like, depressing. <laughs> well, but it, as I said when I saw it, he looks like any number of people who'd be in Boston watching the St. Patrick's Day Parade. I mean, it's just, it's not shocking at all, really, when you see it. But. No, but you're used to seeing him, you know, with his headband and all the crap hanging from his hair and his ears and all that, with makeup, I think, most of the time. And here he's just, like, a flabby old guy. But... Hey, we love Keith Richards. We love Mick Jagger. These are these are great people. But what what's interesting is that all these musicians of a certain period are getting old, and it's kind of like all of a sudden rock and roll got old. That rock and roll's frozen in a certain and and you know this better than I because you live in this country where classic rock radio is everywhere. And w when does classic right. rock start? Kind of sixty nine ish. Well, you say like late sixties, and then it goes right up until even the mid eighties, and even sometimes now the nineties. Yeah, but not that much further. So you've got this whole period of let's call it the golden age of rock and roll when the band started playing in arenas and in studios, and rock and roll took off. FM radio, as we've talked about in the past, was behind it in part, and. All of these musicians that were so big are getting so old, and yet there are still a lot of them who are performing, who are touring. Bob Dylan's in Germany today. Uh, he's 76 years old. He's got some arthritis. You can see him hobbling on stage. The last time I saw him was a couple of years ago, and it was really visible. But he's still going strong. He's doing 100 shows a year. And the Stones are not doing that. What do they do? A tour every three years? They do 20 or 30 shows? Yeah, I think this North American tour was just 17 dates. Um you know, you talk about the classic rock and roll period, and there was such an explosion of recording artists uh, at the time. I mean, anybody who could get a record contract was recording. So there's a huge percentage of those people that are still around and still popular. And I, I think it's just somewhat surprising that we realize, wow, these guys are still around. It, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, many rock and roll bands continue as long as they can into their 80s and 90s. Keith Richards is going to live so long, 
He will be in one of those news stories. He's the oldest person alive on Earth. Keith Richards, 127 years old. He does seem pretty indestructible, doesn't he? Even in this picture here, he looks actually quite fit for a person who's in their, you know, late mid 70s. 70s. Yeah. Well, you said there were more people making music. I don't think that's it. And and it's not that there were more stars because people weren't listening to more music then than they are now. We had to buy all the music. So I think it's just the, the way the music industry was that stardom was such a thing back then if anything there was more musicians in the 80s because mtv came around people were exposed to more bands and that kind of diluted it so you didn't have as many big stars up at the top as we did in the 70s i'm remembering that i saw a, a, sh a musical program on public television not too long ago that featured musicians that were part of the generation before classic rock these were folk musicians that were popular in the late 50s and early 60s bands like uh the Kingston Trio. I don't know if the original trio was still was still part of it. Um, the Brothers Four, uh, some members of the the New Christie Minstrels, uh, Barry Maguire, people like that. They are still around and they're still doing it. And I presume that they'll just keep going. So you know, this is like I said, a, a generation of people before. Uh, the rock stars that we're interested in. And I guess they'll keep, just keep going. What's also interesting is that a lot of these musicians are attracting a younger generation of listeners as well. When I saw Dylan, and I think Dylan's a good example. He's a, a musician of a specific time, but he's had these different periods of his career. The majority of people were my age, but there were plenty of younger people, 20s, 30s. So it, it's not exclusive to old musicians attracting old fans. I think there are plenty of musicians who have discovered new fans through a variety of things, uh, you know, collaborations, soundtrack uh, albums for movies, things like that. Well, how about the thing that you talked to me about, that you uh, messaged me about this morning was you were looking at Prague Magazine, and one of the things you said that there's a lot of old people in this magazine, but there are also a lot of young people in that magazine. And one of and that made me think of the um, the Cruise to the Edge uh, festivals that they do. They actually get a bunch of old and young prog rockers, put them on a cruise ship, sell tickets, and you get these hardcore fans going. They've done like six or seven of them now every year. And it's a chance for uh, old and young musicians to get together, uh, for bands to, to get really close with their fans, with their super fans, as it were, because that's the type of people who go on these cruises. And it, it just sounds like a lot of fun. And it's another way for them to still maintain, to still use their popularity to earn a living, but also introduce a younger generation to, you know, the older stuff and, uh, and an older generation to a lot of uh, new music. One of these cruises was used by the record company to debut um, a couple of prog rock bands. So it, it's an interesting phenomenon where they can... You know, these older people are still propelling the, 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 the modern-day version of Prague, if you will. So the heritage is still there. Well, these cruises are not specific to Prague rock or rock. There, there are tons of cruises. There's one called Jam Cruise that has jam bands, and this has been going on. I'm looking it up. It's currently the 18th year is coming up. I think for that, you get the kind of B-list band... The kind of band that if you're into that music, you would go see at a festival or at a local show or whatever it is. And it, as you say, the, 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 the fans get to get close to the musicians. They probably, 
you know, hang out at night in the thing and talk to people and all. Play shuffleboard. When they're not jamming, they're playing or shuffleboard. Or they're stunning by the, the swimming pool and all. But it is interesting. If you look at the number of musicians who are old and who are still performing, now, not all of these guys are performing regularly. Paul McCartney, he tours every now and then, but he's still touring. I know he toured recently. Roger Daltrey, isn't there a sort of a who, like the 12th comeback of the who? I think Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend announced that they are going to release a new Who album and also tour with it, so they're still going strong. Yeah, I hope I die before I get old. Yeah, that didn't hold up too well, did it? <laughs> I guess they're just not old yet. <laughs> right, just move the goalposts. You're all set. There's one musician who surprised me, and he shouldn't have, but when I saw that Bruce Springsteen show on Netflix, and, and I realized, you know, he doesn't look that old, but he's he's really 69 years old now. He doesn't look it. He's in amazingly good shape. And, you know, he does these three-hour concerts. I don't think he does 100 a year like Dylan, but he does huge shows and long concerts. But there's something about Bruce, despite his bad boy image, he looks like he's pretty sedate. He's probably been through the drugs and the alcohol and given them up, and he's just mellow, and he works out, and he's in, you know, good shape, which you need to for something like this. You know, these residencies are an interesting idea. You used to hearing about, you know, old squares doing residencies in Las Vegas, but Aerosmith is going to be doing a residency in Las Vegas. Bruce Springsteen, what did he do? Three months on Broadway? Was it three months? I think it was three months. It sold out so quickly they added more, and then they added more, and then it ended, I think it ended the day before the Netflix film was on Netflix. But the thing about a residency is you don't have the grueling aspect of touring. You're not changing hotels every night. You're not in a bus or a plane. And, and you know, you're, you're not being moved around. You've got your limo outside. It takes you home. Wherever home was for him, was it Jersey? Was it an apartment around the corner? Whatever. Or you may be staying in a hotel, like at a casino hotel where you're performing your residency. So you actually are a resident. Yeah. And yeah. that's certainly comfortable. Eric Clapton, 73. I don't hear a lot from him, but didn't they do another Cream reunion not long ago? Well, it would have been quite a while ago because both Jack Bruce and Ginger Baker are deceased. But Eric Clapton still does the, um, the Crossroads Guitar Festival every so often. In fact, they've just announced one for Dallas uh, this year. And so he's the host of the show. He still performs and puts out a record every now and then. Roger Waters and David Gilmour. Uh, they're interesting. 75 and 72, respectively. Neither of them look very old when you see them. Roger Waters has been performing The Wall for 30 years, and I guess that kind of doesn't take a toll on you. Gilmore hasn't really been doing a lot of touring, but when you see him performing, he looks sprightly. You know, you, you, you raise an interesting topic, and we've touched on this before. It's like these guys, he, like you say, he's been doing The Wall for 30 years. Is he really doing The Wall, or is he just doing a cover version of The Wall because he doesn't have the original musicians from the recording. He's he's really not connected to it anymore. I mean, I realize he's the composer and everything, but it's been 30 years, 40 years since The Wall came out. How can... Uh, I don't feel very connected to things from 40 years ago that I made. I mean, I'm thinking but like term papers. you don't make papers. hundreds of millions of dollars from your term papers. <laughs> That's true. But I this mean... Is, this has been, for many years, I, I think it's the biggest grossing tour. He does huge... He does huge stadiums around the world. But it's... I think he's connected to it because of the money, and also because he has absolutely no creativity left. Well, let's go... Let's look at a band like the Rolling Stones, then. The Rolling Stones are essentially a Rolling Stones cover band. They are the best Rolling Stones tribute band in the world. In fact, if you look at their set lists, I think the newest song they do is from 1981. Some Girls, 
was that 81 or was that 78 something there'll be something from some there'll be something from some girls is miss you is in there I don't they think must they do, do anything that. more recent than that so here's another old one who's really interesting iggy pop at 71 he's been looking 71 for 40 years so he's got it all he's got it all figured out he put out an album a couple of years ago that's actually pretty sprightly and iggy popish yep. if you will peter gabriel 69 i haven't seen him do much lately I haven't heard from him. You know, he had that music festival that he was running, the that world music festival, Womad. Rod Stewart, 74. He he looks 94 in the picture I'm looking at. I'll link in the show notes to a site called Ranker, where apparently people rank their favorite things. Billy Idol, 63. The only reason I mention him is because I watched a movie over the weekend. It was a dollar rental on iTunes called The Wedding Singer. Yes. And Billy Idol is in a couple of scenes on this airplane at the end. That's right. That's um, right. There was one clip with Billy Idol singing White Wedding was the name of the thing, and you know from MTV. Yeah. Because this, this film was set like in the 80s, and then later on on the plane, he's there helping the character declare his love to Drew Barrymore. And it wasn't a very good movie, but... Well, it's one of the few Adam Sandler movies I can actually tolerate, but for a dollar, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. So there's some musicians who aren't really performing. Phil Collins is only 68, but he's got hearing problems. Didn't he announce sort of a comeback, but like a comeback last farewell tour? And, and that's kind of interesting because some of them do farewell tours and then do another farewell tour five years later. Some of them do comebacks and then the bands get back together. It's kind of hard to follow. Yeah, you know, I think some bands say final and farewell when, you know, it's really kind of arbitrary. But, I mean, there are certainly some artists that will do a final tour. So, Peter Frampton, for example, he's announced a farewell tour because right. he has some sort of degenerative muscle disease. And he's already having trouble playing, I think, playing guitar. And he knows he won't be able to play too much longer. So that's a proper farewell tour. That's not the kind where you just make it up and, and do it again. But there's other musicians around that age. Van Morrison's in his 70s. He's touring. Neil Young's still touring, isn't he? Uh, I um, believe so, Occasionally. Yeah. I believe so. Don Henley. Santana's still touring. In fact, he's going to be playing at the Woodstock 50 tour, if, if anyone hasn't heard. There is a 50th anniversary of Woodstock featuring... John Fogarty. John Fogarty. John Sebastian. Melanie. Robert Plant. Dead and Company. Who's the oldest member of the Grateful Dead? I don't know. You know. Phil Lesh, 73. David Crosby. David Crosby's still around. Country Joe McDonald is still around. Yeah, give me an F. Give me a U. Oh, yeah, it wouldn't be Woodstock without the fish cheer in it, that's for sure. But if you look at the list, there aren't that many old uh, musicians who are there. The zombies will be there. Incredible. Is that the original zombies, or wow. is that just like one zombie with a bunch of, you know... Actual zombies? Yeah. <laughs> the dead are headlining one night. The dead and the zombies. Hmm. The Killers, Another Night, and Jay-Z, Another Night. So there's a real broad spectrum of, of performance there. The Killers, Miley Cyrus, Santana, The Lumineers on one show with Robert Plant, with um, Akon, who's a rapper, with Melanie, as you mentioned, John Sebastian, who's pretty much hasn't done anything that I can remember ever hearing of. John Sebastian. John Sebastian, I still think, is making a living carrying that zither around. <laughs> Or whatever it is, auto harp. So Billy Joel, I get The Guardian on the weekends, on the Saturdays and the Sundays, and there's always a page for the kinds of concerts that appeal to people who don't pay attention to the concerts, and there is one Billy Joel gig in the UK this year. Oh. So he's still going strong. But he's got that Madison Square Garden residency, too. He does that. He's been doing that. That's been... Yeah. Pretty lucrative. Here, and exciting, actually. It's kind of exciting. I think that's a great thing. I saw Billy Joel in a little venue 
out on Long Island, a small theater like in Hempstead or something, a theater with a thousand places, just him and his piano. This was just when he was becoming a real big deal. And he was a wonderful performer. And, and you like his music or you don't. It's like, it's kind of like Frank Sinatra in a way. You, you know, there's this particular style, but I, it was great. I would have seen him again before he got that Darth Vader without the helmet look. Billy Gibbons, one of your favorites, is 69. Greg Allman, 71. Lindsey Buckingham, that's funny, he's 69. I've been re-watching Roadies, that series by Cameron Crowe, and I started re-watching it over the weekend. And Lindsey Buckingham comes in in the third or the fourth episode. There are a number of musicians that come, actual musicians that come in to, to perform and to be characters. Didn't he break up with Fleetwood Mac again? He was asked not to be a part of Fleetwood Mac for right, some Right, because they're, they're doing a reunion tour. They're doing a reunion tour, and he didn't, I think he was... Uh, he didn't want to do as much touring as they wanted to do, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mark Knopfler is sixty-nine. Well, he's still he's still he's still recording, and uh, I'm assuming playing occasionally. Ian Anderson, seventy-one. I think he's still Jethro Tulling, whenever he can, getting whatever he can out of I it. I actually looked this up earlier because I was a huge Tull fan back in the day. He's on a tour, kind of a fiftieth anniversary Jethro Tull tour. And he intersperses this with shows around Christmas at a couple of churches. He does like two or three churches every year around Christmas. So he does like both church music and Jethro Tull music in these little churches. In There's two in Yorkshire. There's one down in um, Gloucestershire down near me. Almost tempted to get tickets, but it's like the only tickets left are the ones in the side where you can't see the, the, the stage. I mean, the altar. <laughs> but you'd still hear well. Well, you know, you're talking about here well. One of the reasons I don't go to concerts anymore is because I don't like the loudness and I don't like the people. I don't like having to deal with the people. It's not that I don't like people, but I just don't like crowds. And uh, some of these some of these guys who are some of these guys and women who are, you know, doing the cruises, doing the residencies, doing the the smaller scale stuff, that's much more interesting to someone like me who doesn't want to go to an arena and can still enjoy a live show without having to trudge to an arena. Yeah, I, I would not go to an arena for a concert for, for the same reasons as you. The, the biggest concert I've been to in a very long time was Dylan in a place that held about 3,000 people. Most of the time I go to smaller venues if there's something I want to see. Or the Symphony Hall in Birmingham, which holds maybe 2,000. But that's about it. I'm absolutely not interested in the arena thing. It, it's right out. Just a couple more names. Brian Ferry, 73. There's a Roxy Music reunion coming up, and some people in a Brian Eno group on Facebook have been wondering if Eno's going to be involved. But since Eno was only on the first record, only toured with them for a while, it's kind of doubtful that he'd be really interested in doing that. My understanding, too, is that he doesn't want to fly and he doesn't want to perform live. He said something about not flying for a year to keep his carbon footprint down. I'm not sure if that's an excuse for something, but... But if you didn't want to play, that's a good one. That's who's going to argue with you? That's true. So another list I have is from an article in Rolling Stone from 2013. And it's 27 rockers going strong after 70. And, and one of the things that I immediately thought is, how many of these are still alive? Uh, Mick Jagger, he's obviously still alive. I kind of hesitated about Robbie Robertson. I had to look it up. Brian Wilson, I know he's been around. Aretha Franklin, she died last year. Graham Nash, I think the whole Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young are doing okay. 
Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel? I know they're both still around. I don't know what Art's up to, but uh, Paul Simon just finished a, a final tour last year. Yeah, I, I've seen something. Obviously, Dylan's mentioned David Crosby. Charlie Watts. Ch- Charlie's funny because you never see him in the paparazzi photos on the beach and all. He, I kind of wonder if he just lives in like some little house down the road from me here and no one ever notices him. He's very sensible. He is. He, yes. Neil Diamond. Do you remember when Neil Diamond was kind of a joke? I remember when Neil Diamond was kind of a joke, and then I remember when he kind of wasn't, because Hot August Nights, that live album, yeah. kind of was like, is this a rock album yeah. or not? Yeah. And I could never see Neil Diamond as a rock guy, but that Hot August Night had me on the fence about wondering what kind of music he plays. I mean, he's categorized as a rock guy. Well, remember his performance in The Last Waltz. Yes. That was kind of rocky, except for the powder blue um, leisure shoot that he had on. Yeah, except for the schmaltz that he brought along. <laughs> Other than that, I mean... But he's got chops. But, I mean, he wrote some great rock songs. Yeah. You know, he just did. So I don't know what to say about Neil Diamond. He's an, he's an enigma to me. And one of the oldest ones on the Rolling Stone list is Leonard Cohen. I think he died two years ago. Um, Little Richard, is he still around? Little Richard still lives, yes. Fats Domino? He does not live. Chuck Berry, I know he died. Yes. And and he was the oldest one on the list at 86. So here we are. We've got all these musicians from the 70s. And the, as you mentioned before the show, they're all going to start dying soon. And this is going to it's going to be a big wake-up call for our generation, isn't it? Or Or actually the generation a bit older than us, who was, you know, who was of age in the 60s and really discovered all this back when it was new. For us, a lot of the bands, a lot of the musicians we're talking about are musicians who'd already had six or eight albums by the time we were getting into them, you know, Stones, etc. But a lot of them are going to start dying, a lot of them are going to fade out, and I wonder how many of these bands will keep going with just one original member and everyone else being a replacement. Well, I, I've seen them. Like I said, these public TV shows that I watch, they will have one member, usually the founder or the most prominent voice, and they're surrounded by you know, four 25-year-olds who are, you know, filling in. And uh, it's they have the same sound that the original groups do, but uh, they do. it's just a cover. It's a cover. But like the ship of Theseus, at one point, do they no longer become authentic? <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it sounds great. All right, so this inspired me to pick my next track for this week, a record that I have not heard in... I admit it, a long time. It's Jethro Tull's 1971 album, Aqualung. Arguably the second best Jethro Tull album, if you accept that Thick as a Brick is the best, even though Side 2 isn't quite as good as Side 1. I know that's a lot of caveats there. Aqualung is an extraordinary album because it combines the sort of heavy metal sound of songs like Aqualung and Locomotive Breath and Hymn 43 with the acoustic of Wondering Aloud and slipstream and and the song at the end wind up which is sort of combination starts out really mellow and then goes into the heavy chords and then comes back really mellow this was not a concept album and and i think at the time people were saying oh it's got all these things about god and religion so it's got to be a concept album ian anderson said nope it wasn't it was just a bunch of songs that fit together and he was exploring these themes at the time and you should definitely check out the lyrics of uh, all the songs in this album they're really quite interesting but there's just something about this record that has that combination that Jethro Tell was able to do of rock and roll, of blues, of a sort of 
classical folk music. And, and we talked about this in the past. We talked about prog rock, how in the UK, prog rock is very influenced by folk music, church music, classical music. And Ian Anderson was really good at this. What surprised me was looking up this record and its history. And there were two singles from it. Can you name which ones? Hmm. Well, a number of the songs on the you album. You were doing radio, so you should know this. Yeah. Well, when I w- when this album came out, I didn't even have all my adult teeth yet. Um, we played a lot of of this album on the radio, but I'm going to guess Aqualung and uh, what was the song that had the quadraphonic version? Wind up. Wind up. Um, yeah, I'm going to guess Aqualung and Wind up. No, the singles were Locomotive Breath and Him Forty Three. And Him Forty Three is not the kind of name that sort of jumps out. But if you listen to the track later, you'll certainly recognize it. It's one of these really almost heavy metal tracks. But it's kind of interesting that that Aqualung was not one of the singles. I, I really was surprised by that. I am too. It's a, it's a great first track off of the album. I mean, it's a, a talk about a way of introducing. Well, you know, actually, they started doing that eventually with all of their albums. The first song was always, here we go. This is the sort of, this is the land we're going to. So, you know, Songs from the Wood starts off with Songs from the Wood, and yeah. Minstrel in the Gallery starts off with Minstrel in the Gallery, and, and, and so on. Um, it's funny you mentioned this is a really good culmination for them, because if you listen to all their albums up to this album, you can hear the transformation from that folk blues into that sort of prog rock sound that they they finally mastered on, I think, Aqualung. Yeah, and so then Thick as a Brick in 1972, and then a couple other records, and then a perfectly named album, which actually was a concept album, Too Old to Rock and Roll, Too Young to Die. I see what you did there. You brought the whole conversation full circle. We were just yeah. talking about that stuff. We were. And the, the only time I saw Jethro Tell live was on the tour for that record. It was in January 77 at Radio City Music Hall, great venue, about a month before Songs from the Wood came out, which totally changed to this sort of hippy-dippy airport convention style stuff. But I, I still like that early Jethro Tull, the bit where he combines this almost classically oriented stuff. Some of Martin Barr's guitar work is really beautiful. And the, the incongruity of the flute and the heavy metal guitar sound, I think it was a unique sound. Yep. What about you? Well, um, not really an amazing record. Um, it's just something I ran across the other day. It's Reverend Gary Davis Live at Newport. Uh, it was released in 1968. And I'm assuming when they say live at Newport, they mean live at the Newport Folk Fest. Wouldn't have been the Jazz Fest to have Reverend Gary Davis. We've talked about Reverend Gary Davis in the past. He is, um, well, he's best known to us as the teacher of Yorma Kaukonen and taught him how to play all those great guitar licks. But uh, Reverend Gary Davis was a performer and a recording artist in his own right. And this is... This is great to hear live. It's not like the studio versions that he does aren't live, too, but this is really good stuff. He really, you can tell that he's feeding off of the crowd, and some of these songs go on and on and on because they're, they're call and response sort of songs. And, but great ragtime guitar. Samson and Delilah, great version uh, of that on here that I knew originally by the Grateful Dead. Yeah. And strangely enough. And uh, this is the first time I've heard another version of it. There's also um, Death Don't Have No Mercy, which Yorma and uh, and Hot Tuna used to do fairly frequently. And the Dead. Yeah, and the Dead, too. That's right. But a lot of spiritual stuff in here. I've done all my singing for my Lord. You Got to Move, not the Mississippi Fred McDowell version. And one that's really cool is called Soldier's Drill. It's a six-minute medley of 
military marches and military march style tunes, which is a, uh, a, a very clever crowd pleaser. And it's fun to hear this live. I've heard his studio stuff, and it's, as I said, that's live too to a degree. But this is a performance in front of, uh, you know, an excited, anxious crowd, uh, in front of an excited, enthusiastic crowd. So it's a lot of fun to hear. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, are you were you familiar with this record? Not this particular record, but one that I had very early on is called Harlem Street Singer, and he's listed as Blind Gary Davis. This was recorded by Rudy Van Gelder, the famous jazz producer, and the recording is impeccable. It really is. And this has Samson and Delilah. Let us get together right down here. I belong to the band. Death don't have no mercy. Four songs that Yorma did regularly. It has. I Am the Light of This World, another song that Yorma did. And and I got into the record because of that, because I was hearing the original versions of these songs that I knew from, from Yorma. But the, the whole record is good. It's 43 minutes, which is kind of a lot for that uh, type of music. It's 12 songs. Um, it's got a combination of gospel and... Well, technically it's all gospel, but I, I read a biography of Gary Davis a while ago, and he was into the saucy songs as well. So mm, he would spice songs. up. He would spice up some of these things. And uh, no, he's one of my favorite musicians by all means. Great classical music. Yep. And you know, my understanding is that his wife would not let him play the saucy songs at home. So the only time you'd ever get to hear them is on a live album like this. It's Reverend Gary Davis live in Newport. This was episode number 144 of The Next Track. Thanks for listening. By the way, we later learned that Mick Jagger is going to have heart valve replacement surgery. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You can start or join a conversation on this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't do that, tell a few friends or two. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.